This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry. Also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Welcome, everybody, to the Hammer and Rails podcast. With you, as always, I'm your host, Andrew Ledman. And I'm... Casey Bartley. He is sad. Uh, this is going to be a, a tough one, so I have to open a Coke Zero uh, to go here. It's a vanilla Coke Zero, so it should be quite delicious. Those but, are uh, hard to find. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, what's even better is if you can just get the – I prefer the cherry Coke Zero, uh, but I couldn't find any of those, so I just had to settle for the vanilla. I just have regular Coke Zero here. Well, I'm, I'm one Shout up Shout out to the then. no calories. There you go. <laughs> Casey and I are notorious uh, mm-hmm. good eaters who watch our figures. That's how we have the same body type. That's exactly right. If you saw us, <laughs> you would think we were twins. Two sheets of paper in the wind. That's right. Just blown <laughs> away. Uh, so nothing exciting at the top here. Uh, we're going to get right into it. Obviously, Purdue coming off a heartbreak. Those are jokes loss. for like seven people. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The seven the, people that have seen both know, of us. <laughs> yeah, who know what both of us look like. Uh so Purdue coming off the heartbreaking loss uh, to Syracuse, 32-29. to First half of the podcast today, we're going to talk about the game itself. Second half of the pod, we're going to kind of go more big picture, what this means for the season and what this means for Purdue. So, oh man, this one was a, uh, it was a heartbreaker. Um, you know, it, there's no one reason why Purdue lost this game. It was a gigantic confluence of different factors that happened all throughout the game. Um, you know, obviously that fourth quarter was absolutely wild. A total of 42 points scored in the fourth quarter, uh, compared with 19 for the previous three quarters. And uh, I mean, it, everything that you can imagine happened in that fourth quarter did. So I, I want to initially talk about the first half and how disappointing it was, uh, for the Purdue offense. Only can nine. I, can I share some points. stats up top real quick? Do you just I, I love it. cover yes. this whole experience of ours? Okay. So everyone's heard of the defense bend but don't break. Mm-hmm. We're all we're all aware of that. Yeah, yeah. It's basically, for those that don't know what that is, your defense will give up a lot of yards, give up a lot of plays. But when it comes right down to it, probably when you're in the red zone, 
you're not giving up a touchdown. Maybe you give up a field goal. Maybe you get a turnover. But ultimately, you give up a lot of yards, but not a lot of points corresponding to those yards. So what would you call the antithesis of that? What's the snippy name from that? Oh, I, I don't know. Um, bend we need and then one. shatter into a million pieces? Because we need one. Um, guess what opponent's fourth down conversion percentage is against us, Ledman? 100 it is a hundred percent. Guess what team's opposing red zone scoring percentage is against us, Ledman? A hundred. A hundred percent. We have never stopped anyone when it really mattered this season. Uh, that's not great. Wait, did, no. We're not talking to uh, FCS is not accounted for here. I okay. don't care. Okay. I was like, I'm pretty sure we I had Indiana care. State. Okay, gotcha. Fair. That's fair. Don't care. Yeah, it's against uh, the real schools. Every time they have gone for it on fourth down and we needed a stop, or they were in the red zone and we needed a stop, our defense did not come up with a play. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, like I said, that fourth quarter was just wild. But before we get to the fourth quarter, um, I want to talk about the first half. Purdue only able to muster nine points, went into half with a nine to three lead over Syracuse. And honestly, it should have been much higher than that. Um, Purdue just had missed opportunities on offense. Um, I thought the refs did make, I know people are complaining about the refs as they do after every loss. Um, but the only thing I noticed really in the first half um, was I thought Dylan Downing had a fourth year or a fourth down run. Um, and after we went for it, I think it was fourth and one, maybe one and a half. And he went for it, and I thought he got it. I thought the spot he was given was terrible. Ultimately resorted, resulted in a turnover on downs, and I think that took away a lot of the momentum because Brom was trying to be very aggressive, put some points on the board. But uh, with that terrible spot, it just kind of you know flipped the field, turned the ball over, um, and Purdue was able to not not able to get the points on the board, and that really hurt them. Well, you know what's good about that is that we're calling run plays on fourth down. Yeah. Because, <laughs> guess... Guess where we rank in yards per rush? There are, uh, I think, 130 teams, something we look up every time. Yeah, I'll go 124. 108th. 2.9 okay, yards a carry. Yeah, we were we were at 2.8 yards a carry uh, in this game, so that, that checks out. We are averaging 22.5 rushes a game that and 65.5 seems... yards a game. Yeah, we're running a lot for... Yeah. Like, we only run 28% of the time because we had just an a crazy amount of plays. Mm-hmm. We are the second most pass heavy team for percentage. And a little bit of that is just stubbornness. At some point, if you're running 72% of the time, you don't need to pretend to like keep the defense honest. Do you mean passing 72% of yeah, the time? Sorry. Okay. If we're throwing 72% of the time, just go 90. Who cares? <laughs> yeah. I mean, at a certain point, who cares? Yeah, at a certain point, you just have to go with what works, and Purdue running the ball does not work. Passing doesn't work that great either. We're the 70th most efficient team throwing the ball. Wow, that that surprises me. 6.9 yards per pass. we got to remember, we started the season off going 29 for 58. Yeah, that's true. That's 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 29 pass attempts that went ego. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, in the first half, Purdue had uh, one touchdown with an extra point that was blocked. So that's one point right there. They had, I believe, uh, a field goal. In the second half that we missed, that's one there. Uh, we turned the ball over on downs in the first uh, half after that down Are these run. good things or bad things? These are all bad things. Are these things that happen with well-coached teams? Well, we'll get into that in the okay. second half. Just, we'll get into just that curious. In the second half. I mean, 
Purdue just they couldn't get a rhythm going in the first half. Uh, there was that TJ Sheffield wide receiver screen that absolutely just got sniffed out and blown up um, very badly. Uh, Purdue did get a, a stop at the end of the half and had a, a little bit of time to think that, you know, maybe we could throw a Hail Mary, maybe we could get in field goal range. And instead, we just we saved our timeouts. We let time run off the clock while uh, Syracuse had the ball. And we just we just let it go. And we didn't try to, you know, throw a deep ball. We didn't try to get points on the board. We didn't try to be aggressive in that instance. And I just, I don't know what we're doing sometimes. Isn't that your favorite Disney song? Let it go. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, uh, I, I don't think we have a cohesive plan. I don't think, I think we know we're one-sided. And on offense, we just, we know we can only do one thing well. And it hampers us both because we can only do one thing well. And because I think we try to pretend like we have to do another thing well, so we don't even fully lean into it. And it's just, I, there are limitations on this team. Yeah. There are a lot of them. Way more than a good program than a team that's going to only lose two games all season. Which is what both of us predicted. Yeah. Yeah, we're dumb. No, it's, it's that Shocking we're going to win the next alert. nine. We're going to yes, win the next absolutely. nine. absolutely. That's what this team looks like. A, yeah. a team ready to rampage. Ready yeah. to run. There is there is one more thing that happened in the first half I wanted to mention. I did think the the Syracuse fumble at the end of the second quarter. I thought that was a fumble. I thought it was a bad um bad over. That's a uh, weird call. Yeah, because by definition his arm was going forward. Yes. So. But it was like yeah. it's like the it's like was it a tuck rule situation? Right. But it's it certainly looked like a fumble to me. Um, so that was a bad call I think by the officials there. But. You know, you you take some of those, you get them every game. There's bad calls. They're only human. And if that is what is causing you to lose each and every single game, uh, you got bigger problems. You make your own luck. Yeah. And Purdue in the second half gave all the luck to Syracuse by making stupid decision after stupid decision. Uh, Here's just a couple of them. Uh, 5.04 left to go late in the uh, third quarter. Syracuse had a third and 10. Purdue... Uh, bit on a fake handoff, tackled the runner, and then negated a uh, interception in the end zone by Purdue. Ultimately, Syracuse got a touchdown. So that you go from Purdue ball to a Syracuse touchdown. Seems like important for a game scored yeah. where, where points matter. Uh, later on, this is not who's line. Later on, Aiden O'Connell uh, threw one of the worst pick sixes I've ever seen in my entire life. Ooh, it was a full wince. He went full wincy. Yeah. Just I mean, all the just... way Carson wincy. And you don't ever go full wince. No. You, you just, you got to take the sack in that situation. Yes. I mean, or he, throw he had... it earlier. Yeah. Well, he that's, had I mean, that's the other forever. Too. But when a guy is on you already and you know you're going down, you've just got to have the presence of mind to bring that ball to your chest and just go down. Yeah. That's you know? a quarterback that's pressing. Yeah. That doesn't trust his team. No, doesn't trust the run game, doesn't, doesn't trust anybody trust else anything. but himself. He and says, Charlie I Jones. I have to make a play here. Yeah. And it's wild. Like, he's, this is his, what, fifth, sixth season? Yeah. Like, he's played a lot of games. Mm-hmm. He's regressing in front of our eyes. Yeah. Yeah. And then, um, you know, after Purdue had that touchdown, ultimately had to go for two. Uh, AOC had, I think it was Durham, it was either Durham or Jones. It might have been Jones. Uh, wide open, just absolutely sailed it. Uh, didn't even give him a chance to catch the ball. Those uh, are harder passes that. than you think, because in the middle, the last thing you want to do is put it helmet level, because you know there's a defender there. No, I, under- I understand. Like, it's but hard. It, I mean, if AOC is as good as we think he is, yeah, that's a I'm pass. Yeah, I'm just saying, 
when you put that right next to how bad the play was before. Well, okay. Not even in the same stratosphere. It's a different category. Yeah, yeah. Um, And then when Purdue had the 41-yard field goal to try to, it was, I believe at that point, it was to tie the game. Uh, Charlie Jones had had a pass down the sidelines, sustained a lot of contact, uh, would have been a touchdown, I think, if if uh, he'd gotten a little less contact from the Syracuse guy there. So just continue to just shoot themselves in the foot. But then, of course, the end of the game, which is what everybody wants to talk about. So, uh, Casey, try to explain to me what happened at the end of the game. Um, <laughs> yeah, well, we're dumb. We're dumb, dumb. We're undisciplined. And like, how many games is this in the Brown era that this exact thing, this late hit, this yeah, there's been so it's not many aggressive. Hits. It's not aggressive. It's not an aggressive mindset. It's not an aggressive play. It's stupid and it's dirty. And we just keep doing it at the worst time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and like, there's no explanation for. It. I I can excuse a late hit if it's like a bang bang play or if you get a roughing the passer which they'll pretty much throw on anything these days you know because they got to protect the quarterbacks which i understand um but these guys are running full speed it's hard to stop it's hard to turn you know once something happens so those while you don't want to see them ever you can certainly kind of brush them aside and say it's a bang bang play it's a football play it sucks but you know he was trying to make trying to make a big play on the ball i get it what Purdue did at the end of this game was absolutely inexcusable. They take the lead with about a minute left and get two penalties. One for Payne Durham jawing after the extra point, after he just scored the touchdown, 15 yards. And you're like, okay, now you got to kick off further. And then the special teams coach gets another one, gets another 15 yards on the sidelines. God knows what he yelled. I have no idea what he did, what he did to this official. But then that's a 30-yard combined penalty right there. That can't so, be Purdue, important on a last possession. Right. So Purdue kicking off from the 10-yard line. And with so little time left, granted Syracuse had their timeouts, so you just never know. Uh, but with the, the kicking off from the 10-yard line and allowing a bit of a Syracuse return, Syracuse gets the ball at the 50-yard line. Does that make it easier to score in 30 seconds? It does. Okay. It does. Uh, and then, after that, there's a defensive pass interference on Purdue. We're like four chapters into this. I, it's And that one, I will agree with a lot of folks who were complaining about it online. I thought that ball was uncatchable. It was a few feet out of bounds before it even landed. I mean, the receiver would have had to have been, you know, nine feet tall and have a great vertical leap to catch it. But you can't put the official mm-hmm. in the position to make that call. Especially when you know what they want to run. Mm-hmm. You have them at the sideline. Make him make that catch. Yeah. Is he in the end zone? No. Don't put your hands on him. Yeah. I mean, in the last minute of the game, Purdue had over 50 yards of penalties. That's insane. In one minute of play. I just, the the lack of discipline, the lack of awareness. Guess how many penalty yards per game were given up? Oh, God. I don't even want to guess. 115. 131st. I think that's the worst in the country. Yeah, last sounds like. Um, You know, if you'll recall last year. 11 penalties a game. If you'll recall last year in the uh, NCAA tournament, we we ragged on, uh, I believe it was Mason Gillis, for making a terrible foul, just basically diving on a guy uh, when the shot clock was running out. The Purdue football team, in essence, did that five times in the last minute of the game and handed the game to Syracuse. Just handed them the game. Handed. And then 
do we have more penalties? Is is that finally no, I, the end? Well, there was one that was uh, that was um, uh, d- declined. So <laughs> I think it was a defensive holding. Good. But Good either way, yeah. And then we wrap it up by allowing a receiver to go one on one on a corner route. Yeah. Cam Allen, I believe, was hurt, and on the sidelines we had a backed up safety in, and he's just hovering ten yards on the line of scrimmage instead of playing deep, which is the one thing you can't allow. They're on like right, the twenty five. Yeah. You know they're going to the end zone. And you're up by four. And you're up by four, so you know they have to have a if touchdown. If you're a safety, you you should be benched for the rest of the season if a receiver gets behind you. Yeah, no step. one should be behind you at all. Like, I know we shit on the prevent defense, but on there's the 20-yard line, you right. prevent defense. Right. There's a difference 12 between seconds left. allowing them to just, you know, go down the field with a prevent defense, and then all of a sudden you're like, oh, they have to score – I can't let him behind me. There's a big difference there. And I just, Purdue seems to find new and creative ways to lose football games each and every week. And it's not just a Jeff Brown problem. It's been happening, you know, for as long as I've been a fan, but it does seem to have happened quite a lot in the Jeff Brown era. Um, Before we jump into our break and talk about um, the rest of this season and, and a bigger picture, I do want to point out that Purdue did a pretty damn good job stopping the run. Um, Our defensive line is good. Yeah, I mean, Sean Tucker is supposed to be this vaunted ACC, maybe the best running back in the league. He had 18 carries for 42 yards. Uh, That's 2.3 yards per carry, which is less than Purdue averages, so you know it's bad. Um, Overall, I mean, the defense did what we needed them to do for, like, three quarters. Yeah, if anything, I, I felt like we got pressure on Schrader throughout the day. Mm-hmm. But he's athletic and got away, and we never yeah. seem to have a guy in the right spot waiting. Yeah, he had 83 yards um, on the day rushing. It, it would have been nice to see maybe a little bit more of a QB spy or some zone where we have linebackers there waiting. Because the way you have to play is you want him to beat you with his arm. Right. I mean, this year he's been hot, but came into the season he was a 50% completion uh, quarterback last season. So Well, and he, and he was less than that against Purdue, 13 of right. 29. So it's just... You can't fault most of the defensive game plan until late. Yeah. And overall, I do think, like, defensive line has surprised me by how good they've been. Um, I think they're a really strong group, but they lack for lack in size or lack in speed. They really hold the line well, and they get some good pressure. So that would be encouraging if, you know, everything else wasn't always happening. Right, right. Like, the, the building's on fire. It's, it's nice that we have some nice chairs in there. <laughs> it's like... Uh... You know, the Titanic had really, really good uh, band on there, mm-hmm. but ultimately it sank. So what's it what's it really matter? Um, it's just it is so damn frustrating to, to go week in, week out thinking that, oh, Purdue, they've got this now. They're not going to lose. And yet we find a way. And I just man, it, it it's it, it's the life of a Purdue fan. Yeah. I mean, you look at the numbers, AOC. 39 to 56, 424 yards, three touchdowns, and the one obviously uh, glaringly bad interception. Um, I, I Before we, we go, I do want to mention in our last podcast, we made predictions on what Charlie Jones uh, would have mm. in the game. Do you remember what you said? No. Nine you and 111. You, uh, you were close. You said eight with 111 yards and two touchdowns. Okay. I said 11 catches, 130 yards, and one touchdown. He ended up with an astounding 11 catches, <laughs> 188 yards, and Jeez. one touchdown. We both undersold. Yeah. Uh, I mean, 
the guy has just been an absolute revelation on this team. And I will say AOC seems to be focusing on him a bit much. Uh, I wonder to the detriment of other folks. Mm. But I, I, other teams, I think, will be able to shut him down. Other teams. But, I mean, if the team is not, you have to hope that, you know, if they are bracketing him, he'll go away from him. But yeah. right now, no one could guard Charlie Jones. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, he has been incredible. And the fact that Iowa could not utilize him over the last two seasons I, is just crazy. Jeff because... Brom would be an awesome offensive coordinator. <laughs> well, maybe he should be is, an NFL coach. That offensive is a perfect segue. We're going to take a break, come back, talk about what this means for the rest of the season here. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. And we are back. So, as promised, we're going to take a look at how Purdue is going to fare from here on out, what this means for Jeff Brom and company. Um, Casey, I feel like you've got a strong opinion on this subject matter, so I'm going to let you go first. No. 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 I'm good. I'm done. So when you told me earlier that you were done. Yeah, it's not a strong uh, feeling anymore. Well. It's a numb limb. I think Jeff Brom would be a really good offensive coordinator in the NFL. So are you telling me you're on the fire Jeff Brom wagon? No, I don't care. <laughs> do what you you know, you, I don't think we're going to do it some better. You do I realize think, you're I getting paid we'll, to give opinions on a podcast. So you're opinion. saying you don't care. It does not help. My opinion is I don't care. I, we're not going to fire him. Um, he honestly, the way I see this going, either this summer or next summer, he's going to get a job offer. But he's going to say, cool. I think we can both agree this for the best. Neither of them say it. And he'll take it. You know, it'll probably be in the NFL. I don't know. I don't know. I feel like he really loves the college game. I feel like it's just a different, it's a mm-hmm. different job. Um, but man, at a certain point, you do have to look around at the team, look at the way they are losing. Um, I think, what did we determine? That Jeff Brom is 10 and 19 in one score games um, at Purdue. Yeah, he's a really good quarterback coach. Uh, he, I mean, yeah, does really great with quarterbacks. He really designs a good offense. Really that, great that passing with offense receivers. is really good there are we are consistently throwing the wide open receivers downfield yeah yeah and And it doesn't matter at all when you can't do the rest of it and it can be against good teams and bad teams we've seen that you know it doesn't matter the defense that you're playing against Purdue somehow finds a way to get the deep ball open and that you can chalk up to scheme um granted Purdue has had some great wide receivers in the Brahm era Rondale Moore David Bell now Charlie Jones um you know the way those guys are are getting open is a testament to their ability, but also the the way the plays have been drawn up to get them that ball. But at a, discipline and stupid penalties have been a problem on these Jeff Brom squads from day one. Um, and like that's coaching. That's a coaching yes, merit, exactly, right? Exactly. Exactly. That is. Have we ever heard a coach say issue. it wasn't? No. No, I mean, every coach is going to say, you know, that is on me. That is something we're going to sort out in the locker room. Blah, blah, blah. Coach speak, coach speaks, coach speak. What do you, what do you think his, his biggest strength is? I mean, I would say offensive play design. Right. And how many times has he himself said he has to be better at calling plays? Oh, all the time. I mean, what was it? Two years ago, two years ago, after one game, he was like, I I was just exhausted. So, 
so he can't even use what he does best very well. I think, to me, best case scenario for, for what needs to happen is he needs to allow his brother, Brian Brom, to call the plays. Be bomber. He did it at the start of, what was it, last year when yep. when Jeff Brom had COVID? Yep. Um, and we, we did fine. Won the, won the game, uh, and I just think it would take something off his plate. Brom, Jeff Brom could still jump in and say, you know, this is what we need. Call this play. He's the head coach. He can mm-hmm. jump in and make any call he wants to. He can still do, you know, script the first 10, 15, 20 plays, whatever he wants to do. It's his team. Mm-hmm. But it does seem like he is trying to do too much. He's trying to do everything. And if you're hiring these guys on your staff, you got to put your faith in them. you got to trust them to do something and take something off your plate. You can't do every single thing. Why don't we have a good running back? That is a mystery. An absolute mystery. I mean, they're everywhere. I, you can find yeah. them at NFL level, undrafted, seventh round, sixth round. Why do we have the worst running back in the Big Ten since DJ Knox left? I think I think Mockaby could be pretty good. Could um, be. I, he got lifted like a paperweight. <laughs> he's like one eighty-five. Yeah, I think he's. I think they said he's like one ninety. He could be good. Everyone on our roster in the running back room could be good. He's Why listed. isn't anyone good? He's listed as six foot one ninety five according to ESPN. That is a paperweight. He got and that's a, that's a up. thin guy. So why why do we not have a running back? Yeah, I I don't know. Um, I don't know guess if what? that's our line's like not great. It's not terrible. Yeah, they're not. They're much better than they have been. They have been improved over these last two seasons. So you would think that our running game would improve with it, but it just you, doesn't seem to be the case. At one point, the line blocked better than a nine yard run for King Doru. Yeah, I have to assume that's the case. So what, why? You knew, he knew it was a need. Yeah. You knew it was a need. I knew it was a need. Everyone that's watched this team knows that you're probably not going to have a running game if you don't have a running back. Well, I think part of it was we had that transfer the IU from guy, IU. Samson. I'm pretty sure they had a good idea he wasn't going to come on this team this year when he didn't make it last year. Well, and well, but he couldn't play last year because of NCAA transfer rules. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure they got the point then that uh, this wasn't, this wasn't going to be a thing. Well, that may be it. He ended up leaving. So we will we, we will never know how he would have fit in Purdue. But, I mean, it is astounding that Purdue cannot find – you know, you don't have to have a four-star, five-star running back. But we need somebody who can, you know, you need DJ lower Knox. some shoulders and, and get an extra yard or, or run two. by someone. Well, yeah. Either option. We don't too. have either. Yeah. We don't have thunder or lightning to, to go with <laughs> no. the old uh, – Tampa Bay Bucks yeah, work done like all cloudy stuff. Sky. Yeah, well, it's just we focus so much on the quarterback position, on the wide receiver position, and Purdue has incredible depth at wide receiver. Um, you know, we've had all Americans in back to back years, uh, guys who both left early for the NFL, and as they should have, kudos to them, gotta get paid. Um, and yet the the wide receiver position still seems to find player after player that we can really trust and and is someone who can make plays for the team. Now, the the running back position doesn't seem to have anyone. No one. Maybe maybe Maccabi will be next year after he gets a little strength under him, gets a little more uh gets more reps under him, gets a year under his belt. But everyone is 2 years away from being a year away. Yeah. Yeah. The whole roster at running back. It's wild. I mean, wild. We are sure. a Big 10 school. We put up a lot of points. A lot. A lot of points. A good running back could eat in this off we've seen it we have yeah. seen running backs be successful in this offense and we can't find anyone 
That's a lack of priority on his part. I mean, to me, like... Lack of priority. Uh, I don't know if the problem is we have running backs that don't have, you know, field vision, or we have running backs who can't both run and block. Because so much of what you're going to do at a running back at Purdue is run block, is going to be picking up blitzes, is going to be, you know, sneak out, leak out into the flat maybe for a screen. But maybe we're just not getting guys who can do the run blocking. But... We're getting two-star guys. <sighs> they don't have the body for it. Yeah, I mean, six foot one ninety five. Obviously, you know, bigger than I am. That works but... if you run a four three. <laughs> I, I don't know uh, Maccabee's forty time, but I would imagine it is not, not a four three. three. Uh, he did look under... good on that touchdown run, though. Cool. That a running <laughs> game like has to be consistent. Yeah, it has to be both a threat and able to move the chains. No one. It just doesn't work. He might be good next year once he puts on like a year of college weight and training. That that could absolutely be a thing. Why couldn't we find a running back? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, and it it goes back to the fact that, as we said, Purdue under Jeff Brom, I believe, is 10 and 19 in one score games. And as was mentioned in our group chat, a lot of that comes down to the fact that we can't milk the clock. We can't run the ball to keep the game going if we have a lead. Um, you know, we throw the ball three times, we waste, you know, 17, 18, 21 seconds, and then we got to punt the ball away, and then we got to throw our defense back out there. Yeah, no rhythm. And, like, it's harder. It's harder on the linemen. Oh, so much harder. It's so much harder on the defense. It's it's harder on everyone. The middle of the field's not open because they're just sitting back in coverage because that's all they care about. Yeah, it's it's just wild to me. It's the lack of foresight and proper planning on a couple things. Just, I don't don't trust the vision. I think that's what it comes down to with me and Brom. Good football coach, good offense. I don't trust the vision. I don't know what it is. I don't know what his vision is. I, I am. It just doesn't make sense to me. I'm not as down as you are, but the two losses that Purdue has this season, they should have won. I mean, mm-hmm. Purdue, by all rights, should be 3-0. and If they had just taken care of the little things, they would be 3-0. and We would be having an entirely different conversation. But unfortunately, Purdue cannot take care of the little things. And suddenly, we're, we're sitting at 1-2, and and we're heading into a game against Florida Atlantic, which... You know, you just hope to God Purdue doesn't lose at home, night game, homecoming. And if, I mean, if Purdue finds a way to lose this game, which again, Purdue finds. I mean, that would be easy. We're not that bad of a team. Like we're going to win and it's probably going to be like 30 points. But okay, cool. You're certain about that? Yeah. All right. Well, I mean, granted FAU, not a great team sitting at two and two. Uh, wins over Southeast Louisiana and Charlotte. Losses to Ohio and uh, UCF. So, not exactly world beaters, but at this point, I just got to see something. You know, the, the Indiana State win, great. It's an FCS school. You don't learn anything from that. And Penn State apparently might be pretty good. You know, they're sitting at 3-0, and and they are ranked, I believe, top 15 at this point. But I need to see Purdue play against somebody with a pulse and actually find a way to win a game. Winning is a skill. And I guess you kind of just assume when you're playing a quarterback who's played as much as AOC, that that skill would rub off on the team. Right. It co- sort of like a, the Tom not. Brady effect. Yeah. Because, I mean, as a Tampa Bay Buccaneers fan, when you have a guy like Jameis, uh... listen, listen, when you have a guy like Jameis Winston as your quarterback, throwing 30 interceptions and fumbling the ball 10 times, doesn't matter what else you do uh, on the rest of the team, you're going to be disheartened. And then all of a sudden you get basically uh, a pretty damn similar team, but bring in a different quarterback you cut out those interceptions, those fumbles. All of a sudden, the mentality of the whole team changes. You believe you can win games, and you start to win. 
And right now, it seems like Purdue just finds a way to lose rather than finds a way to win. We're certainly trying. To lose? Yeah, it yeah. seems like it. I Yeah, I just, I don't know. We're going to have to pull, like, it's going to be annoying because we're going to win, like, three or four games and, like, we shouldn't have. And then I, we'll be back in the same place. Seven or eight wins, maybe a nice bowl game. Whatever. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a shame because this could have been a really good season for Purdue. Um, you know, as we said, you and I both picked ten and two, which was probably you know cockeyed optimist. But uh-huh. if you can't if you can't be a cockeyed optim- optimist on a Purdue football podcast, where can you be one? But I mean, now we're looking at game against FAU. We're assuming it's going to be a win. We'll sit at two and two. Then Purdue goes on the road to Minnesota, on the road to Maryland, at home against Nebraska, at Wisconsin. Iowa, Illinois, Northwestern, Indiana. Maybe we can end the season with four wins in a row. I hope. Uh, but, I mean, Minnesota, Maryland, Wisconsin, I don't feel confident about any of those games at this point. Nope. So I bet they're all better than Syracuse. Yeah. I mean, is our best-case scenario at this point 7-5? and five? No. The best case is that he randomly turns it on again. I don't know if it's like a lack of focus or only does well against the wall when he has to change things, but I, we've seen him... There were times last year we didn't feel very good about the team and they turned it around to nine wins, so I don't know. That'll probably happen again. Brom seems like the kind of guy who did his best work in group projects at, like, midnight or 1 a.m. when they're due at 8 a.m. Like, he'd just, like, virtuoso, get everything done, and you'd be like, the professor would say, wow, you really put a lot of work into this, and he'd just smile at all of his group mates, and they'd be like, well, we got an A, it doesn't matter. Uh, It was stressful how we got there, but we got it all done, so uh, I don't know. I'm still I'm still aboard the Jeff Brom train, but man, has he got to get better, and he's got to teach this team to take care of the little things. Uh, the lack of discipline has just killed me, and we've got to not hand our opponents advantages week in and week out. That'd be nice. Yeah. So I mean, if nothing else, this team has to look in the mirror now. Yeah, find it. If you got something left in there, you better pull it out now, because time's ticking. Yeah. It wasn't yep. a Big Ten loss, so at least you have that going for you. Yeah. Yeah, the good thing is the Big Ten West, apparently very bad, so there is still that chance, but uh, it's getting narrower and narrower each day, so I'm not optimistic about the chances of, of playing in Indy, and it looks like you and I will not be going uh, to that game You already in booked something! Cheater? Liar? <laughs> so, uh, I am going no to the faith. Maryland game. I am going to the Maryland game, but uh, we'll see, so... What are you uh, doing during the Indiana day? I don't want to talk about it. What are you doing during the Indiana day? I don't want it depends on the, what time the uh, IU game is if I'll even get to watch it. Huh. I, so if I you, have, that, that, that disappointment can speak for itself. If, if you must know, I am going to see Bluey's big <laughs> show at the Kennedy Center in Washington, D.C. with my son. How's that feel, big boy? I mean, honestly, it'll probably be pretty great because Bluey <laughs> is like the best kids television show ever created. Never seen, never heard of it. It's delightful. I've heard of it, but it's not for me. That's fine. Uh, it is very good, but uh, hopefully it does not conflict with the bucket game. It probably will, and I'll be frustrated. But such is the life of having a toddler. So any final thoughts on Jeff Brom and this Purdue football team? I think I've been pretty concise and succinct with my with my opinion. Uh, all right. All right. I agree. I agree. So really looking forward to uh, a late-night game coming up this Saturday, 7.30 kickoff. We'll cover that more later in the week, give you some predictions. Maybe we'll pick Charlie Jones' uh, yards and receptions again. Uh, hopefully he can crack Ooh. 200, you know, that's, maybe. That's all I want. Like, 
just like 1,600 yards in the wide receiver trophy. Yeah, I mean, this guy's just outrageous. So uh, at least he's given us something to watch. So there you go, folks. Purdue, a disappointing one and two. We'll be back with you in the middle of the week to talk FAU. Boiler up. Boiler mid. Boiler mid.